turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by Border Hawk News on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador. George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on this beautiful December the 25th. <laughs> you know, have you, I don't know how many of you have seen the, that movie, the musical Scrooge uh, from the 1970s, uh, Albert Finney. And uh, there's a wonderful song in there that I really, really love in that musical called December the 25th. And uh, they sing about how it's my favorite day of the year. And, and, and it's, this is. This is really, truly my favorite time of the year. I, uh, I really get into the Christmas spirit. And I, I got into it this time again, even with COVID, even with the border. I mean, even with all the stuff going on, I really got into it. I celebrated with, a friend, with friends and family and neighbors. I really have gotten into it. So I hope that you are having, have had, will have a wonderful Christmas day. So, uh, welcome, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, brought to you by Border Hawk News. If there is anything that you want to know, anything regarding migration patterns across the world, migration patterns in the Americas, the, the wall, the border, uh, everything that's going on regarding immigration and migrants, Border Hawk News is, is the place to go, my friends. So I encourage you. They, they are great supporters. Um, I encourage all of you to uh, go to BorderHawkNews.com and uh, listen, read, observe what they've got to say. Now, let me remind everyone <clears throat> that uh, our show, of course, is pre-recorded. So uh, please don't call uh, the station to, for comments. If you want to make comments, of course, you can call the station. We just won't be able to talk to you as far as the show goes. But uh, I really encourage folks to um, uh, contact us either through uh, social media, through uh, email. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can call, of course, the, uh, the station and, uh, and chat with us anytime or contact me if you want. Um, but uh, the program is pre-recorded. So uh, where do we start? Let me tell you. Let me begin by uh, I, had a, I had an interesting conversation. I um, was uh, interviewed uh, by my fr- good friend Silvio Canto up in Dallas on his radio show the other day. And uh, we chatted about uh, Christmas past, the traditions in South Texas. And let me tell you, my friends, tamales. Oh, my gosh, tamales. They are the thing in Texas now, or in South Texas at least. I mean, I remember in South Texas, uh, families getting together to have tamaladas, to have uh, uh, to make the tamales, to make the masa. To have... Now, my friends, there are tamales everywhere, tamale tamale. Uh, stores all over the place and um, I mean they, some of them are very very good I mean I I can't tell you which ones I can't endorse them uh, I don't want to get in trouble but uh, or give somebody a free commercial but um, I mean I've had some very very good good tomatoes this, uh, this Christmas season and uh, I plan to uh, throughout the rest of the week so uh, let me um, we've got let me let me tell you who we've got today as far as our guests go because uh, We've got some very, very good folks. Uh, first of all, we've got, again, Mr. Willie Vasquez Ng, and he's a law enforcement uh, uh, expert here in South Texas. And Willie is going to be giving us, uh, I, I chatted with him last week. I wanted to do a follow-up discussion with him uh, regarding the issue of uh, local uh, law enforcement, how uh, folks uh, in the law enforcement community are faring, how uh, the justice uh System has changed, and uh, what it is that uh, that is causing this huge uh, crime wave that's going on that we are experiencing across the country. Willie is really, really a good uh, a good source of information. Uh, I, I hope that you will you know stay with us so you can hear his uh, his presentation. Uh, he is followed by Jonathan Signs. 
Many of you know Jonathan Sines from the Texas uh, Values Organization up in Austin. He is the executive director. He's going to be chatting with us regarding the Texas Heartbeat Law and a few other victories that uh, the uh, Texas Values and and the people uh, of conservative values have had uh, this past year in Texas and how it's impacting across the country. Uh, Jonathan is, is a, I mean, a wealth of knowledge. He is a, a real true leader in the conservative movement. I encourage you to stick around and listen to him. Our final guest, and this is really, really key, my friends. This is really, really key. Uh, Todd Bensman, of course, our friend from uh, uh, the Center for Immigration Studies. Todd is going to be chatting with us about a very, very disturbing uh, find uh, in reporter investigation that uh, he he has come across and that we knew about for a while, but he has verified it. What has been happening is that apparently the UN is providing uh, credit cards, I guess you could call them, these uh, these uh, cards that can be used as money uh, to migrants, we would call them illegal aliens on our side, but uh, these folks are getting UN-funded credit cards, which in actuality uh, are uh, American taxpayer-funded credit cards. And uh, they are staying in safe zones in Mexico and spending the money. What it amounts to is that the United Nations and the taxpayer indirectly are funding this, uh, this illegal alien immigration. And uh, they, uh, these folks are, are taking money are getting money and, uh, you know, using it for all sorts of things. They use it for diapers. They use it for food. They use it for drink. Uh, but in some cases, they trade it off, uh, and uh, it is used by the cartels uh, as, uh, as payment so that they can uh, get them across the border. So we, as taxpayers, are funding the U.N., and the U.N., in turn, is helping these migrants so that they can immigrate. Now, uh, a very, very interesting comment by Todd in his interview is that a lot of this is due to the philosophy within the, the, uh, the uh, UN that uh, migrations, that, that people's migration and movement is a human right. And so therefore, you know, a boundary or a border really don't matter. They are not uh, of consequence. They are uh, impediments to the right of people to migrate. So uh, as long as we've got that, my friends, then uh, the opposite of that is that uh, countries don't have the right to uh, prevent migrants from moving. And that, that's the bottom line. So here we are then funding uh, migrations that uh, are, uh, in my opinion, little more than, than uh, invasions. And uh, the UN goes along with it and uh, we fund it. So uh, listen, to the, uh, listen to this very, very uh, good interview with Todd Benzman at the end of our, our, of our program. Uh, he's going to be our final one. So let me let me jump down. Let me jump in real quick um, to some uh, uh, news items that have happened this past week uh, that are are, are going to have major ramifications. First of all, the victim card is being played over and over again during this uh, during this uh, administration, this Biden administration, because these uh, uh, these liberal leftist attorneys. Uh, are seeing an opportunity to, for, for these victims, for these illegal aliens, to make some money. Uh, we've got the Haitians now who are uh, filing uh, a lawsuit against the Border Patrol agents uh, who did their job and uh, chased them back across the river uh, because, well, they were, they were brutal. They were brutalized. So um, I'm, I'm sure that they are going to sue and that the uh, uh, Justice Department is going to uh, settle. We've got another one, another situation where a Mexican woman who was shot by the Border Patrol uh, during a chase, during a chase, uh, is now suing, uh, of course, the Border Patrol. Now, in both of these situations, this woman who got ch- shot and these uh, illegal alien Haitians who are claiming that they got brutalized, you know, folks, first of all, none of these, these two incidences will, would never have happened if these people were not in the country illegally. Okay, they would never have happened if they were not if they were not in the country illegally. Secondly, the the border patrol was doing their job. Okay, in the case of the woman shot, she was in a vehicle that was fleeing. Okay, had refused to stop it, and they were fleeing. Now, how does the border patrol know what who or what is in that car? You know, they've been shot at uh, nowadays a lot 
they've been shot at. In the case of the of the um, uh, of the Haitians, instead of telling the truth, the media keeps saying that they were just brutalized, but they don't say that the character that uh, looks like he got whipped, he didn't really get whipped. What happened was that he grabbed the reins of one of the horses, and the border patrol agent pulled back, and the picture just happens to look like he's whipping the individual. But what was happening again was that this individual was resisting being chased back across the border. Now, you know, uh, these victims, my friends, are little more than, in my opinion, uh, money ma- trying to make some money off of uh, the taxpayer again, and the tax pa- and, and these attorneys that are representing them are little more, in my opinion, than ambulance chasers. Yep, that's that's my view on that. Uh, it, it, this this situation, my friends, of the border. We have got to rebel at the post at, at the polls. We have got to everybody in South Texas that is fed up with car chases, with the trespassing, uh, with the uh, uh, with all these unvaccinated, unchecked uh, illegal aliens. All of these illegal aliens that have criminal records that are entering the United States again. We've got to rebel against that, my friends. We have got to go to the polls and remove every single politician, every single politician who claims that they are, uh, that they support uh, these, this humanitarian crisis. It's not a humanitarian crisis, it's an invasion. And we've got to call it what it is. We've got to, we've got to put our foot down. You have got to go to the polls in 2022 and you've got to rebel. You have got to take your friends and do it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, thank you for joining us. Uh, I am available on social media. I am available uh, on uh, through the station. Please let me know uh, what you think. Uh, I'm available to come speak at your events. Uh, my book is uh, available on, uh, uh, on the net. Uh, thank you, thank you very much for, for joining us and for supporting us. Let's go to our first to our first guest this uh, today, uh, Mr. Willie Willie Vasquez in, and uh, stay tuned. Call your friends, tell them to join us. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 9:30 AM Radio, The Answer. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism. Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. Welcome to the show, my friends. We've got uh, our good friend, Mr. Willie Vasquez Ng, uh, law enforcement expert here in, uh, in, in South Texas. And uh, I wanted to get him back on. We spoke with him last week, but I wanted to get him back on because uh, I wanted to discuss with him the situation of the uh, in continuing, it seems like the decline of the morale uh, of police officers. There should be, uh, I wrote an article this past week. I don't know how many folks uh, read it. I know that I got some great responses on it um, regarding some uh, two police officers that have been uh, indicted and they're going to face criminal charges uh, for uh, what, what the news media calls roughing up a uh, a uh, an arre- a person that they arrested. However, you know they uh, they kind of ignore. They kind of gloss over the fact that this person was a felon, that he was evading the police, that he resisted arrest, that um, he uh, was carrying dope. <laughs> Other than that, the guy seemed to be okay. Um, the uh, proactive in policing is something that uh, seems to be hurting right now. Willie, welcome to the show again. Uh, talk to us about the situation across the country uh, of police officers uh, being proactive or not being proactive in policing. And then let's talk about here in San Antonio. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, George, again, for having me. It's always an honor to, to be on a show with you and have these conversations. And thank you for having those tough conversations that others uh, don't like to have. And I think it's important, right? You, you A lot of politicians use that soundbite. Uh, they want to be, you know, uh, honest and open and transparent. But, but yeah, they, they fail to do that. And the only time they do it is when it fits their agenda, their narrative. So, again, thank you for all that you do. And, yeah, so it, it is a problem even nationwide where uh, law enforcement officers are not wanting to be as proactive as uh, they have been historically. Even certain units that are created to be proactive, to go out and look for uh, people committing crimes against other people, committing cr- people committing crimes against property, uh, selling drugs. A lot of those agencies have done away with some of those uh, units, have um, minimized the number of personnel in those units, and, and so... It's affecting the proactive approach. A lot of officers are also concerned with George is the fact that a lot of leadership uh, in law enforcement agencies they fall into political pressure. Um, and I've always said that you never play politics with public safety because you'll screw it up every time. And that's what's happening. So the optics, right, uh, of a consequence uh, of someone reading something, right, and they only show one snippet of it right away. Administration is quick to say we're going to hold this officer accountable. We're gonna, you know, uh, you know, punish him to the full extent without pausing and saying, "Hey, look, just like the public, they're innocent until proven guilty." That should be applied to law enforcement as well. Let's be consistent with that. Um, let's do our due diligence, uh, get all the evidence, gather all the evidence, um, and talk to witnesses, talk to the victim or the suspect or whoever, you, however you want to title them. Talk to the officer, and then let's make a decision based on evidence, not emotion. And so what's happening is a lot of these uh, law enforcement agencies, the leadership, are making off emotions and political pressure. Uh, so they see these officers that are being uh, run over, thrown under the bus, I should say, um, initially, right, to the public. And then two years later, when they beat the case, quietly, they're brought back on the department. When they now, two years now, they've suffered, they've lost their jobs, some have lost their, can't pay the mortgage, lost the house, can't pay their vehicle payments. Uh, some even with the stress uh, get divorced. And then later on, they quietly bring it back in. Well, that's hypocritical, right, George? I mean, look, if you're going to go out and an officer uh, in front of the media and say this is a bad apple, we're getting rid of them, well, then why don't why not two years or two you know a year later you bring them back to the media and say we made a mistake? The evidence proved quite opposite of what we thought. And here's the evidence. Let's let's, be, let's, say, let's talk true transparency and let's show the evidence to say this is why this officer was innocent with the charges that we brought against him. Now, I have seen, um, I have been reading in some cases, uh, in some community, in some cities, where there is an absolute, um, there, there's a real push um, for uh, the, what do they call it, the um, uh, annuity, the, the, the protection uh, of, of police to be removed completely so that they can be fired um, at will. They can be just at will employees. Uh, of the city or of the county, and then they can be fired automatically, you know, uh, without uh, hearings or anything of the nature. They can have the hearing later, but uh, they can be automatically fired. Um, the, uh, I mean, is this something that people uh, really do understand? I wonder because uh, you know this this protection, this annuity, this uh, immunity uh, is very very necessary because of the work that they do. Right, yeah, they don't want to understand that there's, and there's studies that show this, uh, George, that there's a lot of agencies that don't have that uh, protection within their contract, um, and they don't fire any more people than uh, an agency that has that. For them, for them to think that that hinders the ability uh, to terminate uh, because of, and this is another problem, George, they think that it protects them from committing crimes. That's not true. That is not the case. If an officer is convicted of a crime, he is terminated. The reason why officers get their job back is because there's administrative issues. So if they're being investigated for administrative, let's just say um, they uh, clocked in, said they're on duty, but they weren't, um, and, and so it's administrative, they falsified an administrative document, and, and they get terminated, and then later on they do an investigation, and it finds out that, nope, this person actually did clock in on flight. He didn't violate any rules or regulations, so we're, we have to get this job back. People get people think that it's a get-out-of-jail card for law enforcement on a criminal thing. It's not. These are administrative things. And this is the thing. 
in there so that way we can say, okay, were you justified in terminating this person? And if not, then you need to get a job back, right? Or they, or they see the private firm. That happens all the time. So I would tell people is that don't get confused. A lot of people think, well, the officers can get, you know, they can commit crimes and still get the job back. No, no, no. If they're convicted of a crime, they do not get their job back. This whole thing about going back and fighting for the job back, those are administrative issues. Or to take it a step further, let's say they do get arrested for a crime. They do get an indefinite suspension. But then the justice system goes through the process, and the DA's office in whatever county it is says there was insufficient evidence to, to convict this person or to indict this person. So now we have to drop the charges. So now the justification for the indefinite suspension is out the window because there's no criminal issue. So at that time, that officer can get his job back or her job back. The, the, the public is is, uh, is uninformed of the process. It doesn't protect officers from, commit, you know, they can commit a crime and get their job back. No, no, no. It's checks and balances, and an officer is wrongfully terminated, then they can fight that wrongful termination and then get their job back. And and, and they, they need to understand this also is that that committee, that, that, that board is set up, that the chief committed, that they created, it's with citizens and law enforcement. So the decision of punishment, the decision of uh, dismissing uh, issues administratively are actually done by board members that are civilians that are looking at all the evidence to say this is this 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 is definite was unjustified or the the thirty day suspension is not justified only a ten day suspension is justified and then what people don't understand is when it goes to arbitration and I'm just speaking here locally now I'm not sure how it nationally works but when it goes to arbitration it, it goes to it goes to an attorney who's not even in San Antonio who who is you know, blinded, like just, lady judge is blindfolded and just looking at the facts and the evidence and that person through his legal lenses is saying this wasn't justified or this was justified. Willie, we are seeing we are seeing a real uh, attack, and that's the only word that I can use, attack on law enforcement officers. I mean, not just law enforcement in general, but on the officers themselves. We're seeing the Border Patrol being hamstrung. We're seeing ICE being hamstrung, ICE agents, and we are certainly seeing police officers uh, being uh, threatened and being, uh, I mean, they're having to be very, very careful walking on, on eggshells. This uh, atmosphere, has you ever seen it this bad, and what needs to happen? I've never seen it this bad, George. It's, it's disappointing. I, I came on the department uh, uh, in the academy in 93, and graduated in 93, and I have never... I would, have, I, would have, I would have never thought that it would get to the point that it is now. Um, and, and like I said in the last conversation we had, is that I know, just like in every industry, there are bad apples, and, and we need to hold them accountable. There's no excuse for You took an oath to, to wear that badge, and you wear it honorably with that uniform, and you serve the community honorably, non-biased. And, but just like every occupation, there's bad apples. I mean, we've seen it, George. You know, we handle cases where a dentist would put somebody under and then sexually assault them while they're under uh, uh, on the table. Uh, doctors, I mean, lawyers have abused their authority and their power to um, do human trafficking. We had a case like that a couple of years ago. In every industry, there's a bad apple. People are wrapped in the flesh and they make bad decisions. And so we got we got to hold those accountable. But to paint with the broad brush and say that these officers, these men and women that are putting their lives on the line for people that they do not know, that are running to it, into danger that people are running from are all bad apples and they should all be treated badly. That's just disappointing and, and very sad for our community because we need law enforcement. We need first responders. We need structure. We need accountability. And those brave men and women in, in, in law enforcement, and all, and all, whether it's local, state, or federal law enforcement, uh, they need to be honored. Uh, and, and those that are bad need to be held accountable. Right. Willie, let's. Uh, we're 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 uh, at the end of our time. How could people uh, follow you? Uh, any closing thoughts as to uh, this uh, issue, and how can people continue to follow you or uh, yes. listen to you? Yes, sir. I, I, you, they can follow. I'm on every uh, every uh, uh, social media outlet you can you can think of. I've been, you know, Facebook. I have a public figure page. Uh, Willie Vasquez Ning. I also have LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. I mean, you you just look up my name on any of those websites or any of those social media outlets. And uh, you'll find me. And also, George, I know we're wrapping it up, but you and I haven't had a chance to talk about this, but I am working on my PhD right now in organizational leadership. And I'm right now um, trying to get my proposal approved 
and I'm interviewing officers from other agencies locally here and also surrounding counties. And you're going to be amazed at the information I'm gathering in terms of leadership uh, leadership uh, within these agencies and how they don't communicate uh, from the bottom up. They communicate from the top down. And so the next show we get on, George, I'd love to share with you and the, and the listeners uh, what I'm finding so far. And know, you know me. This is very objective. I'm, I'm asking questions, and they're volunteering the information. Um, and you'd be amazed of how bad some of these agencies are. I can't name them. But I can talk about the feedback I'm receiving and the data I'm receiving from these uh, law enforcement officers. Fantastic. We'll be sure to get you back on so we can chat about that. That'll be very, very interesting. Thank you very, t- thank you very much for taking time to be with us. We've been talking with our good friend Willie Vasquez Ng from uh, a, the uh, law enforcement expert here in South Texas. Thank you very, very much, Willie. Thank you for having me. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Howdy, 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 once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer, here in San Antonio. And uh, we've got our good friend, Mr. Jonathan Sines, with the Texas Values. Texas, uh, uh, Jonathan is the uh, executive director for the organization Texas Values. And I wanted to get him on because here at the close of the year, uh, they have accomplished a lot of things. They have had some big victories, uh, as well as we've got still some battles to fight. And um, Jonathan, thank you for taking time to be with us this this afternoon. Uh, Tell us. Uh, what are some of the things that you accomplished uh, in uh, 2021, and what are some of the battles that you've got um, lined up for 2022? Well, look, I mean, one of the biggest stories for the state of Texas, and likely for the country, has been the life issue, and specifically the Texas heartbeat law. Uh, for so many of us, this is an issue of life that we've cared about for decades. Since 1973, a Texas case, Roe v. Wade, has been the key to resulting in millions of babies losing their life to abortion. And that number just adds up, and it was in a, it's about an average of 50000 a year until September 1st of this year, when the Texas heartbeat law went into effect, being one of the first heartbeat laws to ever actually go into effect, which means babies' lives were saved, because if a heartbeat is detected, that baby's life is protected, and the, there's a new law that protects babies after a heartbeat is detected. And as a result of the strength of that law, and the U.S. Supreme Court twice refusing to strike the law down and allowing the Texas heartbeat law to prevail and stay into effect, abortion entities have stopped doing abortions, uh, just about all of them in the state of Texas. And that means about 150 lives are being saved every day. But it's also been a part of this bigger story of life because now you've got the issue of Roe versus Wade being challenged by Mississippi pro-life law up at the U.S. Supreme Court, really within weeks of each other being heard in oral argument. And a lot of people are, are feel good about the direction of that case and the possibility of having success. But whether or not Roe versus Wade is overturned, we're going to end 2021 with the Texas heartbeat law in full effect and thousands of lives being saved. And we're keeping a current count of, of that at TexasHeartbeatLaw.com. Now, let me let me make sure that, that we understand that uh, uh, the situation... Uh, with the state of California, for example, uh, they could still uh, continue to do abortions uh, just because the state of Texas has a uh, a, a more stringent law. It doesn't it stop them from com- from committing the uh, uh, atrocities they continue to correct to to commit? Is that isn't that true? I mean, I don't understand why they're freaking out in California, and New York over a Texas law. Yeah, I mean, the the Texas heartbeat law applies to the state of Texas. Um, Whether or not the other states are concerned about the principles in play and how they could impact their own state, I mean, that's for them to sort of sort out. Um, But I think, uh, you know, one of the things that you see is that there are other states that are um, in the process of or attempting to pass heartbeat laws similar to the state of Texas because of the strength of protecting babies with the Texas heartbeat law, and because now the U.S. Supreme Court has been asked to overturn the Texas heartbeat law twice, and they've refused to do that. So I can understand why some other states and, you know, liberal politicians like Gavin Newsom would react so suddenly, but a lot of it is just to try to 
complicate and mislead people about the national narrative and the cultural movement that continues to be more and more supportive of protecting this human life. Yeah, I guess. I mean, really, I mean, they they seem to be uh, screaming for a national law uh, when the Constitution says, you know, it's states that should that should take care of their own uh, uh, people, including including a fetus for crying out loud. So uh, the situation with uh, with um, uh, same sex marriage and the uh, situation with the uh, uh, with with the sex uh, education in schools. What about those issues? Well, look, you know, one, one thing that people didn't notice that much, and um, we could have talked about it more certainly as an organization, is that during the state legislative session, there was an amendment put on the bill that now results in sex education in public schools being opt-in. So that means if you're a parent, the only way that your child can be taught about controversial and dangerous sex education topics is if you specifically have requested that they do that. So before that, we were an opt-out. So you had to tell them not to teach your kid in order for them to, um, you know, for, for that to take place. Now, really, the um, the burden is on the school district who have asked your permission first. You have to then give it before they could teach anything. So um, I think that uh, that's something that's not been talked about a lot this year in the state of Texas, but that is new state law. In addition to that, the State Board of Education met earlier this year, about a month ago, and they went through the, the last part of their process to decide what type of instruction materials or textbooks would enter the classroom. The only one that they approved is probably one of the strongest results of a uh, abstinence-first, pro-family, and uh, rejection of LGBT and rejection of pro-abortion policies product that, that you're going to see in the public classroom. And so... Uh, that's been one of the things that happened at the end of November. Huge victory for the issues that we care about. <laughs> Another victory. Let me ask you uh, about uh, the situation here in San Antonio. I don't know if uh, I'm pretty sure you've you've, you've heard that uh, the city council of San Antonio is trying to expand the uh, non discrimination uh, ordinance, which uh, they would like to uh, cover private businesses. In essence, that the private businesses would be under the thumb of the city government, uh, and uh, they would not, uh, they would, I mean, they could be accused of, of, of uh, discrimination against LGBT, transgender, and other folks uh, like that. So uh, it, are you guys focusing at all in that, in that, uh, on that ordinance or uh, similar ordinances in the, in the state? Well, for a long time, our organization's been one of the few statewide organizations that engages also at the local level. We've had a history doing that in San Antonio when they first put this ordinance in place. I think it's been, you know, six, seven years now, if not longer, when that first started. And we'll continue to do that. We'll continue to help um, local people that live in the San Antonio area as well as our organization to get organized around that. And if there continues to be local flare-ups and um, requests or threats of that getting uh, um, expanded, Texas Values is ready to help. And, and um, whatever happened to the Chick-fil-A uh, uh, lawsuit uh, that we yeah. had here in, here in San Antonio? Absolutely. So, um, And just so everyone knows, if you go to our website, txvalues.org, you'll see a lot of content related to the work we've been doing this year and some updates on key, key issues of this type. So in 2019, Texas passed a law called the Safe Chick-fil-A Religious Freedom Law. Texas Values led that effort for that statewide law to get passed and to sign into law. And primarily it was about an issue where the San Antonio City Council banned Chick-fil-A from having a store at the San Antonio airport because they gave donations to Christian ministries like Salvation Army and Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So we passed a law that is much broader than just that issue. So any organization that you give to that is um, uh, that's a Christian-based ministry, you, your business cannot be discriminated against because of that gift like Chick-fil-A was. Uh, so there's a, now a lawsuit on that issue that our side has brought, our friend Patrick Von Dolan, where it's been applied against the city of San Antonio because there's no evidence that San Antonio ever said, okay, we won't do that again, we made a mistake, we'll stop doing that. That's never been the case, and so um, that issue is now before the Texas Supreme Court. I was there the day it was argued at the Texas Supreme Court about a month or so ago, and we filed a brief at the Texas Supreme Court supporting the Safe Chick-fil-A Religious Freedom Law and trying to help expose how the city of 
San Antonio still does not want to own up to what they did. As a matter of fact, I was there at the oral argument, and the judges weren't too happy with them because the way what, what you heard was the Supreme Court justices saying, "Look." This isn't a problem in the city of San Antonio, and the government doesn't intend to discriminate against religious groups in the future. Why not just come out and say that? And this whole thing could be done. And so they really would not, still would not concede that issue. I think they're in a lot of trouble at the Texas Supreme Court, and I think we're going to get a victory on this pretty soon. But those are that's another example of some of the nonprofit work we're doing at Texas Values. Excellent, excellent. Jonathan, uh, anything else that you'd like to add before we let you go? Well, I just want to encourage people to consider making a donation to our organization. We are a nonprofit 501c3 organization. We are the largest faith and family public policy organization in the state with supporters in all 254 counties. But we still need everybody to step up if they can. We've got about $250,000 to raise for the end of the year. I got a business card taped to my door the other day by a process server, somebody looking to sue me or drag me into court. I found out it's a law firm that's representing some of the largest abortion entities in Texas. They're trying to intimidate people and trying to bully them so that we won't continue to support the Texas heartbeat law. We've still got a long ways to go on those issues. So we're gonna, it's going to be really important for 2022 as we round out the end of this year for people to consider donating to our work so we can continue to protect faith, family, and freedom in the state of Texas. And people can do that at txvalues.org. Excellent. Thank you very, very much. We've been speaking with uh, Jonathan Sines, Executive Director of Texas Values. Jonathan, thank you very, very much uh, and the work that you do. You bet. Thanks, George. Feliz Navidad. Thank you very much. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. And we've got our good buddy, Mr. Todd Benzman, from the Center for Immigration Studies. Now, Todd has ripped another uh, great article. Another important issue has come to light, thanks to him. Uh, Apparently, if you can believe this, folks, apparently the United Nations... Uh, who uh, uses our money, of course. But the United Nations is providing funds, providing credit cards to uh, aliens who are crossing into our country, Uh, most of them illegally, of course, or declaring uh, that they are asylum seekers or whatever. But uh, they are coming across, in many cases, with credit cards. So I need... uh, Todd, talk to us. Tell us, what is going on? What is this? Okay, what's happening is the United Nations Agency International Office of Migration is in Central America and Mexico arranging for the distribution of cash to intending migrants aspiring migrants, people who are planning to cross the border illegally or who have already crossed the border illegally multiple times and got caught and deported under Title 42, the pandemic uh, instant expulsion policy. And what's happening is the United Nations uh, people feel as though these migrants are in imminent danger of harm to uh, life or uh, you know, starvation or illness. So they came up with a program, they've ramped it up, called cash-based interventions. And what that means is that they can receive credit cards, debit cards. Uh, families of four typically would receive $400 every two weeks. Uh, a single adult or pregnant women would be able to uh, get uh, other amounts and that the IOM also is providing 
cash in envelopes to migrants where credit cards don't make sense and they're handing out uh, money by bank transfer and this is also just unrestricted there are no conditions on this money it's just cash use it however you need and in addition to the cash the ILM is also handing out uh, money for lodging hotels for as long as migrants need or want it before they cross and lastly the United Nations through IOM is handing out what they call movement assistance which is to say that when caravans are moving from one place to the next uh, and you've managed to get your hooks into some of this IOM money they're going to give you money for bus uh, fare and taxi cabs and whatever else, uh, maybe uh, even air airfare to keep what they consider vulnerable families or vulnerable people from having to, you know, walk on the streets or, you know, be uh, vulnerable to smugglers or something like that. It's unclear to me how extensive the cash interventions are. We don't know. Uh, if uh, this is, you know, 50,000 or 100,000 or 500,000 because the record keeping is very opaque. They don't really want people to know how much they're handing out. But I watched it happen in Reynosa, Mexico about a month ago, a table inside a refugee camp or a migrant camp uh, with workers handing out debit cards to, you know, dozens and dozens of migrants who are waiting in line for them. So uh, the problem with all of this is, of course, that Republicans would view this as, you know, material support for illegal smuggling and illegal entry, and they don't like it. They view this as something that is akin to smuggling, aiding and abetting illegal activity in uh opposition to the American national interest. Well, let, let me let me let me interrupt you because you know uh, you're you're using the term migrants as everybody does, you know, we all use the term migrants very very broadly. When these people are given a, a card, are they checked as to whether or not they are going to enter the country legally or not? whether they have proper documentation or not, whether they are COVID vaccinated or not, any of the above? <laughs> the presumption is that everybody on the, the receiving end and on the giving end understands that all of these people intend to cross the U.S. border illegally. Oh, and still they give them the, the card. They give them the cards because... There's an ideology out there, a prevailing, uh, predominant ideology, especially in these UN agencies, that migration, whether it's legal or illegal, is a human right, a basic human right. So based on that, they are not opposed to the migration. They're, in, their, in their minds, they're seeing this as saving vulnerable migrants from the depredations that they're that they're exposed to along the way. That's how they view it. That's amazing. You know, so then respect for borders, they are called the United Nations, but respect for borders really doesn't, uh, is trumped by a migrant who wants to go wherever they want. I guess that's, that's the philosophy? Yeah, that's the philosophy is we don't really care that you're going over the uh, U.S. border we don't really care that the money that we're handing out for that is in some part U.S. taxpayer funded. But there are Republicans on the Hill who in growing numbers are getting very upset by this. Uh, one of them proposed a bill recently to defund the United Nations completely because of this. Good. And it has 12 co-signers. Good. Uh, and that's a Texas uh, congressman Lance Glenn, and you could look that up in my recent piece of The Federalist. Lance what? Gooden, Gooden. G-O-O-D-E-N, has proposed this bill with six other Republicans. Wow, incredible. I mean, you know, 
the the situation, I, you cannot help but feel that there is a coordinated effort to invade the United States. I mean, I, I just, I'm sorry. I mean, that sounds outrageous to some people, but I, 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 I just can't help but feel that. Well, it may look coordinated. I don't know if there's evidence that that there is coordination. I mean, it, I mean, in my view, it, I mean, I, mean I, I respect that as a theory. I just don't know that it has much support that there's like some central yeah, that's force true. coordinating all of this. But other than Satan, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> but, but, but but my theory is that you know this mass migration is the result of you know, a steady state pressure of, you know, push-pull factors and, uh, you know, the poor wanting to go to where they can improve their economic situations. That's always a steady state. It will never change. We will always have that in the world. And then the key lever is whether or not you open the, the gate or not, how wide you open the gate. This administration has opened the gate very wide, and word of that gets around the entire world, and people respond. Hey, the gate's open. Let's rush it. <laughs> that's all you're. That's what you're seeing. It may look organized, but but really, it's wow. Look, the gate's open. Let's head to it. The uh, you know the the situation with. Um, uh giving people credit cards um those credit cards i imagine are 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 used are usable in the united states and recognizable in the united states i guess correct no the credit cards are not uh the the cash on those cards first of all is not transferable they can't ah cash okay can't cash out the money and give it to a smuggler for example (laughs) uh and they can't use the credit cards outside of the economic zone of where they received it. So they have to use it, say, if they got it in, you know, in Reynosa, they yeah. have to use it around Reynosa, uh, or if they got it in Tijuana, they use it around Tijuana, at stores, at, you know, grocery stores and places where you would, uh, you know, pick up diapers and things like that, you know, CV, you know, pharmacies. But it's unrestricted otherwise. Um, you wouldn't be able to use use the, those credit cards inside the United States, I'm told. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you know, again, but what, that's but what, what it we're does told. is it certainly relieves the economic pressure that migrants would feel to return to their homes. And it also encourages aspiring migrants still in their home countries who get word back that, hey, there are these United Nations way stations. There's about a hundred way stations that are either built by the United Nations or supported substantially by the United Nations all along the migrant routes. And they uh, would be given to understand that if they just reach those way stations, they're going to find, you know, food and comfort and aid and then go to the next one and the next one. And, you know, clearly that, in my mind, that encourages illegal immigration. It keeps it keeps it going and enables it. It facilitates it. And I think it even entices it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, uh, if, if the sad situation is that the more you help these migrants, uh, the more you encourage it. You know, I mean, it, it seems to me that we should help them in their home countries, but you know that's too radical. I guess that's too. Yeah, I mean, surely, and you could you could see the you know the co- the conflicting view how of interpretation of, of of this. You know, you would you would you know a lot of these migrants are coming through, and they don't have a lot of material support for themselves, and they expected they they budgeted just enough to get into the United States, so they you know. They budgeted for a one-shot success. But if something goes wrong and they end up stuck in Mexico or pushed back or, you know, something else goes awry, they're out of money. And now they're just looking for handouts or a way to survive and, uh, and, and more importantly, to not have to return to their homes. So, uh, because, you know, 
they may be doing fine at home, but man, they could do a whole lot better in the United States, and that's really what this migration is all about. Yeah, uh, it, it just you know it, it, it's it, it's very disturbing to hear uh, that you know rather than discouraging people, uh, the United Nations is encouraging them uh, in, in, in this way. I mean, it may be under the guise that they are helping them, under the guise that this is humanitarian, of course, but, you know, it's still assisting folks uh, who, are very, who are ultimately breaking our laws. So, I don't well, know. I, you know, I, I interviewed Congressman Gooden for my piece on the Federalist on this, and, you know, he told me that he believed that much wider swath of the American public would be outraged and demand a, a halt to this if they knew about it. But he said, you know, the reason is that nobody knows about this. This is kind of brand new in the in the public consciousness that, that it's even happening. Well, uh, so you know, we I intend to we intend to do I, our part. I guarantee. I intend to do my part. <laughs> yes, you will. Todd, thank you very very much. We're going to let you go. Uh, any closing thoughts, and tell us where they can read your uh, your uh, uh, postings as well as your book. Sure, no no closing thoughts really, but uh, you can see my uh, piece at the Federalist. Uh, look under Todd Benzman, and you'll find all my writings for the Federalist, and it'll be there. Uh, I think it's still under the most popular. Uh, if you go to the most popular pieces uh, on the Federalist, it's still in uh, in the list there. And other than that, you can follow me at tbensman at Getter, and also Benzman Todd at Twitter. Gotcha. Todd, thank you very, very much. Folks, we've been talking with our good friend Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies. Todd, you be, you be good, be careful, and have a great holiday. You too. Thank you. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Uh, 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 uh,